Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Who Am I This Time? With me, David Morrissey. Each episode, I'm talking to performers from film, television and theatre about one significant role in their career. It might not always be the role they're most famous for, but in each one, I'll be trying to find out about their preparation, the excitement, and the sense of nostalgia that goes with any key role in an actor's lifetime. After studying at RADA, Anne Reed's break in television came in 1961 when she was cast as Valerie Barlow in Granada's brand new drama, Coronation Street, a role she played for the following 10 years. Television viewers will also be familiar with Anne's large body of work with Victoria Wood, perhaps most famously playing Jean in Dinner Ladies, as well as recent appearances in Sanderton and Years and Years, the Russell T. Davis drama for BBC One. She was BAFTA-nominated for her role in the 2003 film The Mother with Daniel Craig and has appeared on stage at the National Theatre and in the West End in The York Realist, Hedda Gabler, Happy Now and Into the Woods. But I caught up with her during lockdown to talk about playing the wonderful Celia in Last Tango in Halifax. Is that it? There you are, darling. Why don't I come round and you'll use a table? Look at that, the old days, wouldn't that be? <laughs> we'll do that as well. Okay, jolly <laughs> well, good. Once we're out of this terrible situation that we're all in. Okay, all right. Okay, thank you, Anne Reed, for joining me on my podcast. Uh, and we're going to, we're here to talk about Last Tango in Halifax and your character Celia Dawson. It first came on. Uh, it's a BAFTA award-winning uh, show, of course. It first came on air in 2012, written by Sally Wainwright, starring yourself and Derek Jacobi, Sarah Lancashire, Nicola Walker, and Sally Wainwright. She said about the casting. She said, "We went for the best, and we got them." Um, when did you first come across the oh. script? When was it sent to you? Well, I can't remember. I, I heard it. My agent told me that I, I think Sally had me in mind, actually, when she said, she said when she wrote it. Um, and uh, my agent told me that there was this thing that might be happening. And then it was, it was about a year before I heard any more about it. And then I was contacted again. And... Um, I did. I actually knew very little about it, but I, I just knew it was set in the north, and it was about a couple who fell in love. She she told me that it was about her 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 mother, um, you know, her mother's relationship with somebody, and then uh, the next thing I heard was that Derek had been cast. They rang me up and said Derek Jacobi is going to going to play um, Alan, and um, uh, would I said well, I said Derek. Jacoby said he plays King Lear and stuff like that. You know, what's he doing playing a northern businessman? Anyway, they introduced us, they invited us to meet. I said, well, we'd better meet each other. And uh, the director, Eurus um, Lynn, and, um, and the producer, um, Karen Lewis, invited us to go to Joe Allen's for lunch. And Derek and I bonded immediately. 
We just he, got on very unexpected. He's adorable, isn't he? But, but you know, I mean, I'd, I'd always wanted to meet him, but I, I didn't. I thought it was strange casting, but there you go. It's worked like a dream. And well, I love working with him. I, I love I, it. Yeah, I spoke to him and he said that, you know, for him, he'd never got the chance to play working no. class. And he, he is working class. You know. Yeah, I know he is. That's the funny thing we always say, because I've had a much posher upbringing than him because I went to public school and and all that. And and uh, But I've always been cast as working class people. I'm always in the kitchen. I'm never upstairs. So it was quite nice that yeah, we got the, on really well. One of the reviews said it was a triumph against ageism. I mean, when you read it, did you feel like it was being the lead, you know, a love story between people of a certain age. Did you feel like it was as revolutionary as it became? Oh, gosh, no. It was a script. You know, you don't know. You get a script. You've no idea whether it's going to work or not, do you? And I've played a lot of northern northern, northern people, so I had no idea whether it was going to work or not. Um, and I just sort of treated it like a job. I had no idea it was going to be take off like this. I mean, I could tell it's wonderful writing because to me the script is everything, you know, and when you get a wonderful script, I could tell within two pages it was wonderfully written. Mm. And um, I was just delighted to be working, darling, that's all. Yeah, I, as we all are. But, I mean, uh, there is a sense sometimes when you get a script and you think, oh, I will be on every sixth page or every fourth or fifth scene. Yeah. But you're right. I don't What's think it? I was actually. No, it wasn't. But the first episode, yes, I don't think I felt like that at all. I can't remember how much Sarah came into it in the beginning mm-hmm. and Nicola. Um, but I knew Sarah very well, but I didn't know Nicola at all. It's terribly hard to cast your mind back to that to that time, um, you know, we, we had no idea it was going to do what it did. And were no you given idea. were you given episode one and two, or were you given all six at once? Were, were you given the season? I think we were given a chunk of scripts. Actually, I think we were given about three or four of them. I think so. Yeah, and I didn't think of it as a lead. I've never played leads ever in my life. I mean, I've always played supporting roles and I've been very happy because when I was young, I always used to look at films and think, you know, there was a wonderful slew of character actors, you know, like Dora Bryan and Thora Heard and people like that who were in every film. And I always say to people, now you want Adrian Scarborough's career, that because he's in every blooming thing that's on at the moment. You don't want to wait for leads. And I never was interested in, uh, you know, it would have been nice, but I, I wasn't. I think this is the first time I've ever played a lead in anything, actually. Well, you were also in The Mother. I think that was that's a good lead role, isn't it, I think? Oh, yeah, but that was a fluke, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might get to that, but is it true to think that you came into acting by accident? I mean, you were, put, you were uh, presented to RADA by your elocution teacher, weren't you, really? Yeah, right, well done, yeah, Miss Beardsworth, yeah. I was always told, I've, I've fought it. I think simply because if I'd been able to do something else, I probably would have done something else. But I've always been told I couldn't do it right from the beginning. I remember a French teacher saying to me, you'll never make an actress, you know, and you're not the type. And then I went to RADA, uh, to Parada. I didn't get into RADA 
my, my elocution teacher got the forms for RADA. And because um, actors, when I was a little girl, I mean, we're talking about the 1890s now. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, if, if actors were film stars like Rita Hayworth. Well, there was no way you were going. And I'd never been to the theatre apart from pantomime. But um, this teacher at, at school recognised that I could I suddenly. But I remember the day when, I, when she gave me something to learn and I thought, oh, I know how to do this. this I really know how to do it. I remember it vividly. I think I can do this. Um, and um, then she got the form for RADA and I didn't, there was a school called Parada. Jackie Collins was there actually. And where they, yeah, I was so young. I was only about 16 and a half and I knew nothing. I was really naive. So I went there for a bit. And the teacher there said to me at the end of the first term, you know, you really do have to forget this because he said, you remind me of a jolly podgy schoolgirl." he said, and I really advise you to give it up. I met him about after I've been in the street for about two years in, in, in Oxford Street, we were sheltering from the rain and he said, I was wrong about you, wasn't it? I said, yes, you blew me well. <laughs> Is this when you were in Coronation Street? Yes. <laughs> but it's great to prove people wrong, isn't it? I mean, I think... Oh, know- it's, but it's been a fight always. A casting director once said to me, dear Annie, you always help us out when we're absolutely desperate, meaning they tried everybody else in the business. I say this to encourage young actors who are being put down, don't listen. But that's what I wanted to do the podcast for, I think, yeah. is the sense to, to show people that it's a job for everyone. It's not easy. And people no, will isn't. knock you all the time. They would, and if you can't yeah. get the, if you can't know, take the knocks. I have to say, you have to remember, and I'll get shot for saying this, but we are the people with the talent. It's not the producers. It's not the directors. It's not the casting directors. You are the person with the talent. And it makes a huge difference, I have to say when you walk because this has only happened to me over the last what 10 15 years um when you walk into an office and people know who you are it's so hard at the beginning when they say I remember going to see an agent he didn't even look up from his counting his money and he just said what have you done you know without looking up to me at all Mm. and he wrote to me when I was in Coronation Street and said can I represent you so I never wrote back. <laughs> but you were, as a child, you were encouraged to perform. You were, it was a musical household, wasn't it? So there was never, was there a sense that you could play the piano, you could sing, you could dance? There was never, nobody my, was... But No, my parents, yeah, there was that. But my parents were abroad. My, yes. my, 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 I was on my own, really. When I left, I was thinking about that. When I left RADA, um, I hadn't a clue how to start. Not a clue. I went and sat in, I got myself a bed sitting room. My mother and father were in Beirut, I think. And I went and sat in a, in a bed sitting room in, not in Hernhill. And a phone, you know, we didn't have a telephone. And thought, well, what am I supposed to do now? My dad used to send me a bit of money every week. And I just sat there. I think I would still have been there now. But a lovely teacher at uh, RADA called Edward Burnham contacted me and said, what, what are you doing? And I said, I'm not doing anything. And he said, well, they're looking for a stage manager. I actually did very well at Radra. I won a medal. Uh, but then I, you know, nowadays the kids know how to, to set about, but I had a clue. And he said, they're looking for a stage manager at Bath. 
do you want to take it? And I said, yes, please. Otherwise, I don't think I would have ever got started. And, and, and sort of starting, starting, let's say, you know, starting backstage in, the, in this mm. profession, starting in stage management, do you think that gave mm. you a, a different grounding for when you did start working? I think so. I think it's, I don't regret that. I did it for two years and I stage managed, you know, tour around England, well, ASM'd. And yeah, I'm very aware of what, of course, you can't do that now because stage managing is a very specialized job. But in those days, you were stage manager in small parts, anything that came up. Um, were you working in rep? At Bath, yeah, in Bath, yeah. Uh, uh, the girl uh, who was playing the juvenile lead, I could have acted her off the blooming stage. She was in my class at Rouse, <laughs> but I was sitting in the wings, seething, prompting. <laughs> Trevor Bannister used to say, he was in the company, he said, if you ask Annie Reid to sit on the book, she takes it literally. (laughs) (laughs) But that spurred you on, did it, when you were looking at people thinking, I can do this? I don't think I was ever spurred on. I, I, I didn't have any belief in myself. I knew kind of that I could act, but I didn't think I was good enough to be taken seriously. I don't know, David. It's very difficult to um, to remember, but I know that I was always grateful if anybody wanted to employ me, you know. I still have um, that, though. I still have this real sense of gratitude whenever I get a job, yeah. which, is, which is a good thing, but sometimes it can tip over into this you know, uh, sort of doffing my cap yeah, and, yeah, and sort with, of yeah. insecurity. You see, Americans aren't like that. I always remember Stephen Frears saying to me when I did a, um, a, a film called um, oh, Liam, which is, was a wonderful part, wonderful part, written by Jimmy McGovern. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stephen said to me, American actors come in and they just say, look, this is me, you know, like an artist, you know, this mm-hmm. is my painting. This is what I'm giving you. And if you want to change bits, that's fine. But this is what you get. Mm -hmm. I'm not, he said, I'm not here to teach you, you know, Mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. But that, I think it's important to talk about that lack of self-confidence because you are someone who has done it. You've, you've gone, you've got. It took me a long time. I wouldn't want anybody to wait. It was really the mother helped enormously. Mm. And Victoria Wood, I have to say. Yeah, and I wanted because, to talk about that as well. Yeah. Mm. I mean, she was a great influence on you, wasn't she? Well, she was a great help. She was the person who showed the public or whoever, the, the people that were casting, that I could do comedy because I'd always, I remember, I remember, saying to Jack Rosenthal about I wanted to do comedy, he said, oh, no, no, Anna, you're a dramatic actress. And I thought, no, I'm not. (laughs) But you see, in the street, when I was in the street, you know, I never got a laugh for nine years Mm. because the Barlows, it was lovely. I loved doing it. Um, But the Barlows, I never had, I don't think I ever had a comedy line. No, I I was going a bit mad by the end. And you were in the street for nine years. So my, I was going to ask you, suddenly, you know, there you were, you had been doing 
jobbing stuff, and then you were in this soap. And I know it's very different today, but was that suddenly locally very different for you to walk down the street with people commenting on you? Was that very, were you suddenly famous in a very small place? It didn't, well, you know, we're talking of now about 1961, right? And then there was the, I went in for six, for about three months or something. And then the equity strike came. You're too young to remember that. But there was a strike when we all had to come out of work, anybody who hadn't signed a contract before a certain date. So then I was really, that was the lowest point of my life because I had no money and no work. And then the following August, they asked me to go back into the street. And I had no idea what it I didn't have a television. I had a radio, but I didn't. My brother had a television. I'd seen it about twice. I had no idea what I was getting into. And then I remember Frank Pemberton, who played um, um, Mr. Barlow. Um, Frank, what was he called? Albert Tatlock. No, 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 no. Frank, who played uh, Bill Roach's father. Oh, right. I remember. Uh, t- saying, would you like to come to a bazaar? And I thought we were going shopping. I didn't know we were opening it. <laughs> you were cutting the ribbon <laughs> Yes He said have you got your speech ready On the train And I said I beg your pardon I didn't know what he was talking about And no uh, idea No idea It gradually sort of gradually happened Yes And then of course But I hadn't seen a television set So I didn't know But it must <laughs> So it must have been very odd for you To suddenly be on the flagship show Of, the, of British television yeah, but you don't think of these things at the time. Mm-hmm. You just do. It's a job, mm-hmm. you know, and I was grateful to be paid every week, you know, um, money, regular money coming in and um, and more money than I'd earned before. I think started off at £80, which was riches beyond my wildest dreams mm-hmm. in uh, what year was it? In 60, 62, 63. Um, and... You don't think you're, I never thought of it like that. I don't think about fame actually much. I completely forget now that I'm known. So I'm always quite shocked if somebody stares at me. I think it's because I've not got my hat on straight or something. You know? <laughs> well, but now, I promise you that's true. Yeah. Now we all have our mask on, of course, then it doesn't, it's, it's fine. Yes, it's that's really... strange, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And you left. And you left Curry of your own. It was for your own choice, wasn't it? You I was left- going a bit bonkers by the end. Yeah, I just felt. Well, you signed three-year contracts, and I started to know that I just had to get out. You know, it was making me feel quite ill by the end. I just that I need. I was so frustrated, mm-hmm. and um, frustrated by the lack of. of- Diversity in your character or less, less Yeah, less because it, you do the same thing it's, I'm sure it's different now But I, you know You knew what the direct different directors Came in and it was They would say, would you walk to And I would say the window, yes please You know, would you um, get the ironing board out Yes, right You know, I mean I knew mm. there was, It was so limited in the mm. set um, That one just went a bit mad in the end Um I don't, it wasn't just that. It was just playing the same part. And so I gave my, uh, about three years before I left, I was thinking about it then and then I signed on again. I think mm-hmm. it, then there were yearly contracts, but 
the minute I'd done it, I knew I'd done the right thing. I said, I want to leave. And then they said, can you leave it for a year? I, I, because they, I was worried they would write Bill out. I mean, that's quite funny now. Yeah, look at him. <laughs> well, you know, you were couples. Yeah. And he had a family and you don't, I really seriously did think, oh my goodness, I don't want to put him out of work. Mm. Mm. I didn't have any responsibilities. And they killed you off? Yeah, they came to me, the director, <laughs> one day the, the, the producer, June Housen, came to me and she said, um, Anne, would you mind terribly being murdered? And I said, no, that's fine. <laughs> she, I so I thought, she said, we thought one of the, um, one of the airmen at the, uh, at, you know, that Pat Phoenix was going out, but there was all those, those American airmen could murder you. And I said, no, that sounds quite good anyway. <laughs> I'm not doing anything next Tuesday. No, right. <laughs> I love that. And then you were out for a long time, obviously. I mean, you know, from a, you, you raised your son and I know you're... Yeah, uh, well, I got pregnant within six weeks of leaving. I right. think it was a relief. <laughs> but you were out for 16 years, weren't you? So can we talk no, about... No, no, no. Was 12, it not? 12. Well, yes. I mean, I, I couldn't... It was it's it's it was difficult, you know, because mm. my husband was ill and everything, and um, I don't want people to think that I, you know, it was it was hard from a career. Well, it, in some ways, I feel I missed my forties because that's when my husband. That's an important time for an actress, I think, to sort of get established. But you know, that's life. Um, but I can't say I was pining to work. My husband was a was a the producer and head of drama at Granada. And when he used to come home and say, I've just worked with this wonderful actress, I used to tick a bit, you know. But apart from that, I didn't actually think about it much. So when you came back in, what was that like from... <laughs> oh, ter terrible. Oh, God. Well, it was after, a few years after my husband had died. It was 19, I think it was... Uh, I can't remember now what the date was. But um, a friend, uh, unbeknownst to me, a, fr a friend that I'd met, somebody that I'd met, suggested me to play Billy B Liar's Mom. mother in Billy Liar, which is the most wonderful part. It's absolutely gloriously funny. And I bolt an octagon, so I went and auditioned. And um, then I went home, felt quite pleased with myself because I hadn't done an audition for so many years. I hadn't been on the stage for 16 years. I've been in television, but I haven't been on stage. And then they rang me up and said, will you do it? And I said, oh, no, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> and they said, well, why did you come? And I said, I don't know, really. <laughs> and they said, well, will you have a think about it over Christmas? It was Christmas. In 1986, it was. So over Christmas, I went to stay with a friend called Madge Hindle up in Yorkshire, and I thought, I'll learn I need to find out if I can actually learn a page of dialogue. So I took the script with me, I remember. And over, over the new year, it was New Year, I just tried to learn, see if I could learn a page. You, don't, you know, you get so out of the habit of it. And then so I rang them up and said, yeah, all right, I'll do it. I've never, I could tell you, I could sing at the Albert Hall and not be as frightened as that. The first night... I really did. I felt like I said, the director said, how did you feel? It was in the round. It felt like the Albert Hall. It was a tiny little theatre in the round. I don't know if you've ever been there. And um, 
uh, I, I said, I feel like a, a little bull going out into a bull ring. I thought the chances of coming back alive tonight are very small indeed. I was absolutely terrified. My face was shaking. I could, couldn't move my mouth with nerves, you know. But did uh, you, why did you not run? Why, what is it in you that makes you well, have, I thought, have to well, go forward? Yeah, well, I don't. I'm very dogged. People say I have great energy. I don't. I just keep going. I think I just keep, I'm just one of those people. I thought, well, if I can't, you know, I need to do this. I can't do anything else. I have no other talents. And so, you know, Mark and my son had gone to boarding school and I thought, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Um, and so I just did it. And it was the hardest night, the most nerve wracking night of my life, I think. I've yeah. often said that people ask me about my early days when I decided to act. And I said, I did the thing that people tell you never to do is I put all my eggs in one basket because I didn't have any other options. I only had acting. If acting hadn't yeah. worked, I had nothing. And in a way yeah. that, that fear was great for me I did, in retrospect, because yeah. it just drove me forward. I had this had to work. Otherwise yeah. I had nothing else. Yeah. And did you and feel then, that when you came back? Because you were, were you 50 when you came back? Yeah, uh, I was um, 45, 50, yes. Um, yeah. yeah, I would, uh, no, I was 35, I can't work it out, 50, yeah. 50-ish, yes, 55, yeah. something like that, yeah. Yeah, but, but then I started, that was hard. And once having got through that, you know, I, I felt I could sort of start again. I can't remember. I just, and then I started into rep, went into rep and did all the things that my contemporaries have been doing mm -hmm. when they were young. And I was in my fifties doing, you know, Birmingham rep and York and rep and just gradually, gradually clawed my way back, stepping on anybody who got him. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. <laughs> no, <laughs> I wish it's, I had actually. But yeah. it does, it's interesting though, because when you were in a job like the street, and, you know, that's fine. That really works for some people. But it seems for you, after a long time, you got bored. And it seems to me when you've come back into the profession uh, after Mark went, your son went to boarding school, you've chosen your work. You, you, you wouldn't do a long-running theatre job, uh, TV job again, would you? There's something about, so, the, ch no, no, there's something about the challenge of doing different things that really gets you going. Oh, yes, but I couldn't, no. But it, it was different times, you know. It was a different programme in those. We are in black and white for most of the, 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 it was only the last two years. We suddenly went mm. into colour and the blondes came into their own because it was wonderful for dark people in black and white. They looked great on the screen, but I just looked like, sort of washed out, I think, in the beginning. Yeah, that's what I always felt anyway. But I love a quote from you where you said, you know, I always said yes and find out what it is afterwards because I like <laughs> the adventure. And I love that. There is something yeah. about that thing of just jumping in and seeing what it yeah. is. Well, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't sitting at home sort of reading film scripts and turning them down. <laughs> I mean, no. you know, you were just so grateful to be, employed I just kept going and there were gaps but um I was all right I had some money and and I was I was sort of all right but I don't know what I would have done if it did never come back and and the agents of course are very I think when people you see when people get started very young 
when you get a really good kickoff at the beginning, like Derek did, he was at Birmingham Rep, he probably told you, and then Laurence Olivier is in the audience and says, will you join my company? And he's not em- unemployed for the next 11 years, you know. And um, he's, But he's terribly lucky, Derek. I mean, we talk about it a lot. Um, you know, when he was at the Old Vic, I was working as a waitress in Kensington and selling camping equipment and doing all kinds of other things to make some money. Um, and um, if you get a really good start, but I didn't know how to go about. I didn't know what to, I went to see an agent called Peter Crouch and I said, could you tell me what you do exactly? I had no idea. No, because I hadn't have anybody to advise me. So how did you find yeah. out though? How did you find did Peter then tell you what to do? Did you how did you then find No, he out? didn't, he didn't. I didn't. What happened? It was all chance. I can't, I was at, I think I was going up for something to do with a commercial. I vaguely remember it being just near the BBC. I can't remember. But I remember the moment somebody said to me, You they're looking for uh, somebody for this new for this series called Coronation Street and there's an agent I know who's looking for somebody and you're right so they gave me her phone number Joan Reddin and I rang her and she sent me for the audition to Manchester and um, I went up there and met just auditioned for Derek Granger and Harry Kershaw and all that lot and I, I got the job I was drunk for the audition I have to tell <laughs> a friend to take me to Kendall Mills and filled me full of uh, martinis. So, so I sort of waltzed down Key Street to, <laughs> to Granada and did the most wonderful interview because I was full of myself. And then I turned up to do the job about three weeks later, you know, sort of hiding in the corner. Totally sober. They thought, oh, are we employed? This Who's this girl? Oh. But you know, in and of course, in there weren't self tapes and all that rubbish in those days. And people say to my young friends, say I had to learn eleven pages for this audition. I say eleven pages. You should be paid for that. You know why can't they make their minds? They take ages to make their minds up. I went for one. In those days, you went for one interview, and you either got the job or you didn't. We'll be back with more chat after this. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, you're listening to Who Am I This Time? With me, David Morrissey. Now, back to this week's episode. And actually, that thing of not being in the room, I was doing a theatre piece a couple of years ago and there was a young actor I was sharing a dressing room with and he would do like three or four self-tapes a week with seven seven to eight pages of dialogue he had to learn. They should be paid for it. I don't want to be paid if I've got to learn something. When do you do that? I'm so glad I sort of escaped that. So when did you first, when did Victoria first, Victoria Wood first come into your orbit? When did you first... Yeah, I mean, this is a well-known story, I think, for, for all the Victoria Wood fans that my husband went to see her in a play called Talent when he was head of drama at Granada. And he came back and said, I've seen this amazing girl uh, in a play she's written and I'm going to buy it for television. And then she, of course, said had met Julie and wanted Julie in it. And I met her in the pub, I think, a couple of times. Um, but I didn't know her because she was Peter's friend and they really were, they were very, very close and they got on terrifically, but it was both had the same sense of humor. She loved him. She had a picture of it over her desk of him all the time when she was working. Um, and then when he died, she sent me a little, she started doing uh, as seen on, Victoria would have seen on TV, and she sent me a, a script, and it was only a tiny little bit of a waitress and shouting through a, 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 a hatch, you know. And I thought, well, that's not much of a part. I'm not doing that. I didn't know what her series were in those days. You know, I'd never seen it. So I turned it down, and the minute I'd turned it down, I think if I'd been... I hadn't worked for a long time. I was feeling not confident. And I think if I'd been confident, I would have done it. But, you know, when you, I, I couldn't, I couldn't take it on. And uh, I went, I wrote her a letter of apology and our letters crossed and she wrote and apologized to me and said, I, you know, we're just trying to get the best people. And I'm sorry I offered you such a small part. And I said, I'm terribly sorry that I, I didn't <laughs> accept it. Anyway, the following year, she wrote this wonderful thing called Mr. Wright. And um, she said to me later, it's so it's a good job you turned the first one down because I might not have asked you again. But uh, Mr. Wright was wonderful. And that really helped my career with um, a woman who's looking for a, a you know, for a, for, for a husband. And it was a joy, complete joy to do that. And it really that changed a lot of things. It's so, just luck, isn't it? Who it's you- just luck, but and I think I think it is. There's a big element of luck inside of all this. But 
something about like when you look at dinner ladies and I watched it again recently and it's so seamless and funny and you know really you know everything <laughs> that Victoria does so well but I'd just like to talk about the type of discipline that goes into creating a show like that obviously you have the creator with you which is Victoria uh, you have a rehearsal is she very sort of um, on it all the time there's no you know you're not no, going no. yeah and how's that <laughs> tell me just That's tell me a little bit line. tell no, me a little we, bit about we, well, she loved, I mean, I've always said happiness was getting a script from Victoria drop on your mat. That's what I, it's wonderful, wonderful. But, and she's a, was a gorgeous, but see, I still talk about her in the present. I can't be, believe she's really gone. Mm. Um, she was gr- lovely, you know, to have lunch with, but in a rehearsal room, well, as we know, with lots of people, it's a whole different ball game when you work with them, isn't it? Mm. Um, and she was... I used to dread doing a scene with her because I knew she'd be watching me rather than acting. And then she'd suddenly you get to the end of the scene and she would say, don't do it like that because she won't get the love, you know, wow. <laughs> think. But she was, she, was, uh, she was amazing, yes. I'm very, very, very grateful to her. But she made me very nervous. She made everybody nervous, I think. Because the, but she was right, wasn't she? Because it's lasted. And comedy is a serious business, isn't it's it? Not, it's no secret that we were all nervous. I think uh, uh, Celia and um, Julie said they were taking rescue remedy, you know, to get through it. <laughs> because, but her standards were so high. She was, and I like that. Mm. In the end, you like that. Yes, mm. of course you do. Yes, she and and you're right. You know the proof is in the pudding, isn't it? I mean the testimony. But if you know the, somebody knows what the, the, I do think that she would eventually. I, I said to her, you should hand write a script and hand it over. And if she hadn't kept casting herself, if she'd just written a script, I think she would have been winning Oscars. You know, mm-hmm. but she <laughs> could not let go of it. And you have to sort of. I think you have to, I'm not easy to work with. I, I think I'm not, but uh, because I get put off by directors, they very easily, I think somebody said to me quite recently, I was amazed to see how you could be put off at your age. I said, oh, I can. If somebody throws a doubt into my head about what I'm doing um, or interferes with what I'm doing, then I'm, I start to go right off the rails. And um, also in the, in the television now, we have a, you know, you tend to have a director for each episode in a way, don't you? Sometimes yeah. you, you don't have time to build up a relationship with them. I don't mind if they, if they accept the fact that you know more about acting than they do. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's when you're treated like some sort of board game that they want to um, show up. But you see then, and I'm always saying this to young people, you are doing it within the limits of their imagination. And most of them are young enough to be my grandchildren now, you know. Mm. But their imagination is limited to what they've seen before and they try to make you do something that they've seen. They don't know they're doing that, but it's something in their head they've seen somebody else do and they think... That's the way it should be done. So yeah. it's very different. It's a tri- It's tricky. It's very tricky. And can I just ask about the term put off? When you say you get put off, do you become, is that tipping you into nervousness or th- anger? or? No, no, I don't throw. The only time I've really thrown a wobbler was in the makeup room when they do things to me. I don't 
like yeah. I get I can have been very unpleasant a couple of times, but no, normally I don't think I am. Um, but I try and put it out of my head because it's not so bad now, you know, people don't bother me so much now because they respect me more, but that's taken ages. But I used to be terribly put off. Um, I never felt, I never enjoyed it as much if somebody had interfered with it. And I feel it's like a painting. You know, somebody comes up and says, I think you should put some blue over here and some green over there. And you think, oh, well, yeah, but now it's not mine anymore. It doesn't belong to me anymore. I talked to Sarah Lancashire about this. She's exactly the same. She said, we're both the same, but like that. And She's in, lovely to work with. Mm. Yeah, and you work so well together. I want to talk about that later on. But just that when you work in the theatre, I saw you in the York Realist, which I thought was brilliant. Oh, that was a life changer. Yeah. Now, that really was a life changer, and I adore Peter Gill. And what a I wonderful love. play that is. I mean, just it's an amazing. It is brilliant play, yeah. I so love when you approach character... But I only got that by default, you know. Really? How? Uh, well, she won't admit it, but I'm absolutely certain it was written for June Watson. Right. And she couldn't do it. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but when you approach a role in the theatre, are you approaching it any differently? Do you think about the stamina you're going to need over the next three months or whatever? Are you looking at it? Mm. In any... No, I don't really. Um I'm very conscious of my voice, which is not a theatre voice. And that's always been, you know, I'd love to have a voice like Francis de la Torque. So when Frankie talks on the stage, it lands in the seat in front of you, doesn't it? It's glorious. And actually, Felicity Kendall has a very good theatre voice as well. I'm very conscious of that because it means you have to do much less. They're mic'd a lot now, aren't they? Apparently, yeah. yes. I, I mean, yeah. I'm not, obviously. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know, uh, but I don't think about it in any. I think you just make the brush brush strokes stronger. That's all. But base the basic um, interpretation will not be any different. I don't think from whether you're filming or whether you're, you know. I don't know, actually. It's just a, a mental shift, isn't it, really, to be conscious that it's going over the footlights. See, I love the rehearsal room in theatre. Oh, so do I, yes. And, and why I like it is it's the place where I can do anything I want amongst people who don't mind me walking into a brick wall or falling flat on my face. It's all part of the process. So but you're very relaxed about that. I am in the theatre, but not on, on television. Sometimes I don't feel I'm being surrounded by people who, they just want me to get on with it sometimes. Whereas in the theatre, yeah. in a rehearsal room, there's, a, there's an ability, and I won't say it's failure, but there's an ability to play with it, which sometimes Well, it depends not. on the director and the situation, though, doesn't mm. it? No, I haven't. I don't. I mean, I did when we did, uh, um, when we did uh, A Woman of No Importance. Mm. I mean, you know, I would walk to India to work with Dominic Drumgoul again because he's just was such fun and he laughs all the time. And so that was the most gloriously relaxing um, experience. But some of the time, no, I, I do feel a bit exposed and terrified of doing something that some people are going to think I'm stupid. 
I've got, but it's difficult now. I'm not, I'm in a totally different place now in my head than I was like even 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. And, and I did, wish you did cabaret, didn't you? So you did your own show. Yeah, that, that's made a, a big difference, actually, because getting up there on your own, the first time I did it, I was so terrified. In this, I did it in the south of France. And I always wanted to sing. Music has always been a huge part of my life. And if I lived again, I would go do the music exams and go to music college. And if I acted, well, that would be a sort of chance thing. But that's what I'd really love to do. But And so I'd always wanted to sing. And I used to sing in the kitchen and drive my poor son mad when he was trying to learn his working for A-levels. <laughs> I used to say, Mom, can you give it a rest? <laughs> and I used to sing and sing and sing. Uh, and I haven't got a great voice, but I, I did it in the south of France. But actually standing up in front of people, and I, I, it was only when I was so nervous, so nervous. But when I started to tell, do the, I did links in between the songs. I just thought, well, you've got to link them up. And actually now they would rather I just did the links and I didn't think, sing, I think, because the links, they laughed. And I suddenly thought, Oh, that's nice. I can make people laugh. I didn't know that. And I thought, oh, I can do this. And when you stood up and sort of talked to a room a lot, it's a great release. Have you done that? I've not done that because I was going to ask you that the thing for me, when I've done things like some charity stuff where people said, would you say something at the end or something? I have mm. a different type of nerves that hits me. And I wanted to ask you about the cabaret, because with the cabaret, you're standing up there as you. You're not in yeah. character. And so no. I, I want to hide behind character. I don't think I'm any different when I get up, but I do work at it, and I, and I, I write it. I, could, I don't just get up and waffle. I learn it. I write it, and I learn it, and I learn to time the jokes and everything. I couldn't just stand up there and... You know, waffle on. No. But also, you know, when you did you did a film, The Mother, which is an amazing piece of work, and you play a character called mm. May who has an affair with her son's friend. Um, and you say this wonderful thing about there's one night when you're you have to do a big sex scene with Daniel Craig, and you suddenly you're you're on your own. And you get very frightened about why you've taken this job. Well, I would say when you when you go for an interview, and they say, "Can you ice skate?" You say, "Yes." You know, "Can you hide jump?" Yes, I'll go and learn and do it. You know, <laughs> this was very different, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I know, and I did say to Roger because I mean, I was amazed that I got that. I only went along. I'd already been offered a part in Calendar Girls, but my, I said went to the interview because I wanted to meet Hanif Qureshi and, um, and you know, Mary Selway was the casting director I'd never met and, and Roger Mitchell. And, um, and I thought, well, they're not going to. I really did. I thought this is a complete waste of time. They, they, they came to see the York Realist. That's why I got an interview. Um, it's a waste of time. They'll never get the money. You know, can't get the money on my name. I'm, you know, I live in the real world. Who's going to put, what film company is going to put me up 
for that that it'll be somebody famous. So, but I went along. And so I was amazed when they, well, we didn't actually, I didn't know that I'd got it. And then uh, Calendar Girls was going to start. And I said to my agent, I think you better ring and tell them that, you know, they haven't, they, they were, hadn't got back to me, but you better let them know that I'm not going to be available in the, in the, in the unlikely event that they would want me. And it was glorious. It was the best week of my life because she rang up and they all hell broke loose because she said she won't be available. And they were ringing me, you know, people who'd never spoken to me <laughs> were ringing me up in Manchester and saying, you can't do this other film you've got to do, you know, but, but, we, but they hadn't got the money. They said, we will get the money. And I thought, I'm going to lose both films. I've always wanted to be in a movie. I've never had a good part in a movie and I'm going to lose both of them. So Roger phoned me and he said, listen, I know Nigel Cole is directing talent because he said, by Friday, you'll be doing one or the other. So I leave it to us. I loved it. They were fighting over me. I mean, that's never happened before and it's never happened since. (laughs) (laughs) What a great place to be. But 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 you read the script and the script is, you know, there's a lot of nudity and sex in that, but it wasn't. I didn't think about that. I was much more interested in the, I didn't, I didn't think about the nudity until the very last minute, really. Um, And it wasn't, the sex wasn't remotely like what I expected it to be. I expected it was to be a sort of, you know, me lying in the bed and him lying on top of me, but Roger had other ideas. Um, So that was a bit of a shock. But um, uh, I just thought it was, uh, I sort of understood and I talked to quite a lot of women in their 60s, which I was then, you know, about wanting to recapture your youth before it was too late. And that was quite interesting, talking to people. And I was just interested in the character, really. Apparently, I look rather like Hanif Qureshi's mother. So I think that's what clinched it in the end. And um, were you told, was Daniel Craig in it when you were uh, at the when you were cast or did he come later or...? No, they cast me first, and then Roger actually suggested somebody else, and I said, no, I'm, I'm not going to tell you. And I said, no, sorry, I can't. I I would normally not question another, mm-hmm. elite, you know, somebody I was, but I thought in this instance it's got to be somebody that I, I frankly fancy. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody fancies Daniel Craig. I but do. I didn't know. No, you don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but he... he I didn't know who he was because, you know. That was uh, before Bond and all that, wasn't it? Yeah. He, he'd done uh, Our Friends in the North. Mm-hmm. And I rang a friend of mine and said, have you ever heard of an actor called Daniel Craig? And I heard a faint at the end of the phone. So I thought, oh, he sounds like good news. And then they sent me a, um, a, a video of a thing called Some Voices. And within sort of 15 seconds of seeing him on the screen, I was on to the phone to Roger saying, for God's sake, yeah. get him, he's divine. And was the working uh, process fine for you? Was that, was well, it- no, I fell in love with him, frankly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just fancied the pants of him. But, I mean, you know, you kind of forget that you're 35 years older than somebody who was so attractive. But um, he was very nice. We didn't really get to, we had lunch together before we started. And, and then we... You know, it was work and, and he was very polite. He was very, very nice, but we didn't really get to know each other. Then mm-hmm. I saw him again. I went to see him in New York in um, 
betrayal mm-hmm. when he was on Broadway. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We talked better then than we we actually did during the movie. I think well, so. It's more on a on a on a level, you know. But there's a story you tell, which I think is important for for us to hear, is that the night before your first scene, your sex scene, you were alone and you phoned your son and he gave you some great advice, didn't he, at that point? Well, yeah, I was suddenly, Roger said, oh, we're going to do the nude scenes tomorrow. And I went home and suddenly it's like you put something off, not thinking about it. And I got very drunk. I, I opened a bottle of champagne on my own and I and I took all my clothes off and stood in front of the mirror and thought, I cannot, you know, tomorrow I'm going to have to show this to a room full of people. And I really, I just started to cry and thought, I can't do it. And I rang Mark and um, my son and I said, you know, I was weeping on the phone and he said, look, mum, you know, he's very sensible. He said, it's a great part. And um, he said, just you know, if you don't, if you're inhibited, it's not going to work. Just go for it. And so I sort of had permission, you know. I think he said you're not supposed to be sort of um, Nicole Kidman or something like that, you know. You're supposed to be a 65-year-old woman. And 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 Der- um, Daniel said to me, I said, I feel so awkward. He said, well, you would, wouldn't you? Use it. You know, he said that to me, just use it. Because when I started to take my clothes off, and he just said, just use it. That's you what makes it so real and, and wonderful, mm. I think. It is, it's a very oh, real Lovely. Control. Yeah, I learned a lot from Roger, I have to say. Mm-hmm. I learned a great... The, the best thing about that, well, one of the best things was we did a test. We, we did, long before we started filming, about a week we went to the house where we were filming and um, Alvin Kuchler, who was the DOP, came and uh, they just had me walking around the house and filming me. And afterwards, when they'd seen the rushes, he said to me, you have an aura on the screen, which was just the most wonderful thing to say. And I thought, oh, I can do this. And it, 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 I'd love to see him again because... I don't think he had any idea about the huge boost of confidence that he gave me. That um, yeah, it's only afterwards, it is, isn't it, when you get through something that you think, "Oh my God, what if I hadn't got it right?" And how you were you? How were you when you saw it? How did? How was that for you when you saw the finished film? <laughs> I need cosmetic surgery. That's what I said. <laughs> were you able to get beyond that though? And see it. Uh, no, I haven't seen it for a very long time. I'm, I keep thinking I must get it out and look at it. So because I might be able to judge it now. Um, I haven't seen it for such a long time. And I'm frightened that I won't think it's any good, you know. Well, I think it's a wonderful but, performance. I uh, think it's a really great you. film, actually. And, uh, you thank know, with- you. it wasn't much of a stretch, really. You know, it's like, like tango. I mean, I'm not playing a sort of Bolivian woman, you know. You're not, but even in tango, there was something I wanted to ask you about tango. There's a scene at the end of season one when Alan and you split up. And... and, I think it was season two, wasn't it? And and Caroline and... um, Sarah Lancashire, as your daughter's kind of, she really berates you and shouts at you in this kitchen and you're really upset. And it's a wonderful scene. Just about 
how when you get up for a scene like that i mean when they're sort of because you're really upset um and i wonder what the day is like for someone like you on a on a film set like that is it just is it easy for you to come up with that emotion i don't know darling i just think myself i just think into it i just um that's all i do with acting really i have a bit of technique I have, I do have a bit. I could tell you bits of things that you ought to do, not you personally, but um, but generally, I I try to make it take it into my life, you know. Yes, that's what I'm trying to get at. It's my some... my life. I remember, um, you know. I mean, it's you're not really playing yourself, but you are playing yourself. You're always playing yourself. That's all you've got. I mean, whether you're playing King Lear or, or whether you're playing, you know, whatever you're playing, it's a man and the emotions are the same. And if the script is right, then you don't need to do anything else but be truthful to the script. Um, and that's all. And Sally is a terrific writer. She gives you such gloriously real things to do. That's what I love. Wonderful, truthful bits of bits of lines to do that other people don't give you. And, um, but, you know, it all takes work. The, you know, Gene Kelly says, if you look as if you're working hard, you're not working hard enough. And I go along with that. I think that's um, a great quote. That's wonderful. It is. Yeah. It is. Because, but, and, and I try, but I do think that sometimes, particularly with comedy, people think you just wander on and do it. You know, I work terribly hard. I mean, I'll days and days I will go over something and over and over and over it. And it's like a terrible nut that you cannot get. I cannot get to the middle of it until I've said it and thought it and said it and thought it over and over and over again. And then suddenly what the writer intended kind of comes up to the top and you suddenly get that breakthrough and the relief is, is so great. Had a, a, a speech in Sanditon, that series that I did, the first part of day, and, the, and we had to do it twice. I don't think they'll mind me telling you that because the first day I did it, I hadn't found it. I hadn't found the character. And, and you just you feel so exposed when you're acting badly, don't you? You just feel, I feel embarrassed if I'm not really being, I know it's not real. I know it's not true. And I can't. I just can't get there. And it's simply a question of how hard you work. It is. And then we, we, they asked me if I would like to do it again about a month later. And I said, yes. And, and it was so much better the second time. It is, know, about how, it is about how hard you work. But sometimes where sometimes we can be in a position where people will throw pages at you on a television show. That's rubbish, yeah. And, and they'll say, listen, can you have a look at that? Because we were going to shoot it this afternoon. And you're like, what this no, is for? Well, you know, yeah, that type well, of thing, I think, is well, how... Then, but we've got very good as professionals. I mean, I'm a professional. I think, you know, I would say we're plumbers. You know, sometimes you get a wonderful marble bathroom to put in and sometimes you have to fix an outside loo. But that's the life we lead. And that's the that's the way I think I'm a jobbing actress. But if they exp they will never know what you could have done if you'd had it for a week. But, you know, and it, you have to live with that. You think you I, have to, do you think you have to like your characters? Oh, I think you have 
well, yes, not like them, but just that's me, you know. I think I'm, you know, we all think we're pretty nice, don't we? We don't. We do, but like Celia's got some quite strong views about, you know, same-sex marriage and her daughter and stuff like that. And well, you, play, you play it with great truth and, and, and honesty, and I think it's that but, sense of sometimes you can but get I a character. Can't, you don't become objective about it. That's mm-hmm. I have opinions that other people wouldn't agree with, I'm quite sure. Um, no, but you absolutely have to play it. And if you find it difficult to to get to it, then I have I remember I had a teacher at RADA called very briefly called Mary Duff. Um, and she said, you have to swing that part of your the wheel of your personality around to find that. But I have to find something that I believe in and think how I would do that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, if I was talking about passionately about something that I believe in, then if my character is talking passionately about something, then I have to kind of go to there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you don't have to agree with your character, do you? But you have to. You well, have I don't to. think about what I don't think what that is what they're saying. You know, I would think of something that this is um, that I'm passionate about. No. Oh, no, absolutely not. She's dreadful. But I said to Sally, please don't make her nice because that's what works so well with the relationship because it's rare to have a man who is not, who is, who is, he, well, he's not weak, but, you know, he's the nice, gentle character, um, uh, which Alan is. And, and this, I think it's a wonderfully, wonderfully simple idea that these two people fell in love, whether they, she, he didn't. He fell in love with her. She didn't fall in love with him. Well, when they were 16, this pretty girl that he's had a fantasy about for the whole of his life, and then he meets the real thing, marries her, and he finds out what she's really like. <laughs> I think it's such a wonderful idea. It's, it's so... wonderful because we've all met people that we like, you know, that we liked when we fancied when we were young, or they're a terrible disappointment when. <laughs> To actually get to know them, and that's what's happened. And it's glorious. It's the most glorious thing to happen to me. Wonderful. Wonderful. I think it's like, I love it as a show. I think I think it is, it's very different. I think the fact that you have, you and Derek in the leads, that it's complicated, that the relationships mm-hmm. are complicated, that it's very real, but also massively entertaining. I love her writing. But it, the chemistry works, you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't when just you can't just shove two people. No, and when she says I she went for the best and got them, I always well, it's lovely because I was, you know, I thought I got beyond the stage where I could play somebody who was in love with somebody, and it was that was joy actually. That's what I loved, being able to 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 fall in love with somebody and to love somebody. I, I really like that because. Usually, you know, you're playing the cook in the kitchen or something. You have no emotions. Well, Anne, it's been wonderful talking to you. It's a fantastic show. It's a great character, as so many of your characters are. All of them are. So thank you so much today for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, darling. Thank you very much. Who am I this time? is a Just Voices and Doolally production. Produced by Simon Lennigan. Music by Greg Hatwell. 
edited and mixed by Russ Keffert at Audio Egg and presented by me, David Morrissey.